Well, hey, I want to welcome you to the Marty McLean podcast. This is podcast number 21. Today's episode, I want to talk about John Piper, Tim Keller, Al Mohler, and President Donald Trump. And as you know, in evangelical Christianity, we do not have a pope. We, don't, we do not have a Pope Francis. And uh, looking at some of the stuff that Pope Francis has been saying lately, you know, that's really a good thing. But anyway, we have some senior statesmen in the evangelical world that people kind of look up to. And I'm talking about John Piper and Timothy Keller. Now, both of these gentlemen are now retired former pastors. They do a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. Matter of fact, I have a book by both of them. Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life, uh, really impacted my life uh, in a very critical time, and I've made some decisions. Uh, later, I was not uh, too happy with those decisions. I threw the book away, but then I went back and bought the good book again. So I bought his book, Don't Waste Your Life, twice, and I don't plan to throw it away this time. And the other book uh, by Tim Keller was The Reasons for God, and it's a, it's a good book. It's got some really good stuff in it, but uh, his chapter on theistic evolution, uh, you know, I was very disappointed in that chapter. Don't understand why he went in that direction. But anyway, these two men have had an incredible impact upon evangelical Christianity in America and indeed, I would say, around the world. So I'm going to talk about these two gentlemen, um, talk more about John Piper than Timothy Keller, because they have both made statements that are very impactful upon the election in the United States here in the year 2020. Now, this is a very crucial election. We've said it. It is a directional election, and there is a lot at stake. I mean, we, if you were watching television last night, you saw the swearing-in of Amy Coney Barrett by Judge Clarence Thomas there at the White House. It was a wonderful event. Uh, that just shows us a little bit of how important presidential elections are, not only the presidential elections, but the election for the Senate as well as the House, that these Elected officials, they make decisions that are very impactful upon our everyday life. So here it is. We got a statement that Piper came out this week with. Uh, it's, uh, the name of the article is Policies, Persons, and Paths to Ruin, Pondering the Implications of the 2020 Election. Now, in this article, basically, he once again lets us know that there's no way he would ever vote for President Trump. Uh, he says in this article, here's what he says. He says, nothing I say here is intended to indicate how anyone else should vote, but rather to point to a perspective that seems to be neglected. Yes, this perspective sways my vote, but you need, but you need not be sinning if you weigh matters differently. So he said, I'm going to tell you the way I'm going to vote, what I'm thinking, but you don't have to do what, I, what I'm going to do. He says, actually, it is a long overdue attempt to explain why I, I remain baffled that so many Christians consider the sin of unrepentant sex, sexual immorality, unrepentant boastfulness, unrepentant vulgarity, unrepentant factiousness, and the like to be only toxic for our nation, while policies that endorse baby killing, sex switching, freedom limiting, and socialistic overreach are viewed as deadly, unquote. So he's basically, without naming them, saying, how can you say it's okay to vote for a man like Donald Trump, who is guilty of sexual immorality, uh, unrepentant boastfulness, uh, vulgarity. Uh, he's a source of a lot of division. He says, how can you vote for him and say that's okay and say that his sin that he participates in 
is not as bad as the sin that the Democrats are involved with, with abortion and the redefinition of, of marriage and the being okay with people transitioning their genders. And Piper is really uh, good to say, you know, why he feels the way he feels. I mean, it's no secret. He does not like Donald Trump, did not believe he was morally qualified to be president. Uh, here's a little bit more from that article that he wrote. He said, Christians communicate a falsehood to unbelievers who are also baffled when we act as if policies and laws that protect life and freedom are more precious than being a certain kind of person. The church is paying dearly and will continue to pay for our communicating this falsehood year after year. He continues, I find it bewildering that Christians can be so sure that greater damage will be done by bad judges, bad laws, and bad policies than is being done by the culture-infecting spread of the gangrene of sinful self-exaltation and boasting and strife-stirring. How do they know this? Seriously, where do they get the sure knowledge that judges, laws, and policies are less destructive than boastful factiousness in high places. And here's, as he continues, he says, I think Roe, that's speaking of Roe v. Wade, I think Roe is an evil decision. I think Planned Parenthood is codenamed for baby killing and historically at least ethnic cleansing. And I think it is baffling and presumptuous to assume that pro-abortion policies kill more people than a culture-saturating pro-self-pride, unquote. So basically what he is saying, uh, Piper is saying, is that he thinks that Trump's sin of arrogance and pride is just as deadly as abortion. And he comes to this conclusion. He says, I will be asked, quote, I will be asked to give an account of my devotion to this life-giving call. The world will ask, and the Lord of heaven will ask, and my conscience will ask, what will I say? With a cheerful smile, I will explain to my unbelieving neighbor why my allegiance to Jesus set me at odds with death, death by abortion and death by arrogance. I will take him to Psalm 139 and Romans 1. And if he is willing, I will show him how abortion and arrogance can be forgiven because of Christ, and I will invite him to become an exile to the kingdom that will never be shaken, not even when America is a footnote in the archives of the new creation. So basically, Piper lets people know, hey, you can vote the way you want to. Uh, this is why I'm voting, voting the way I'm voting. And some thought, well, is he going to vote for Biden? But uh, then he came out and with a tweet, I think it was, and said, no, I'm not voting for Biden either. He's going to write a candidate's name in. So he, he's baffled that people could actually, that evangelicals could actually cast a vote for Donald Trump. Now, as an evangelical, and he's an evangelical pastor that has cast a vote before for Donald Trump, I read an article like that, and I think, hmm, okay. Uh, you feel that way, that's, that's fine. Uh, not everybody's going to feel the way you're going to feel. Uh, but, you know, he does present it out there. You know, how in the world do you deal with uh, Trump's behavior prior to becoming president? And uh, even while he's president, some of the ways he talks, the things he says, uh, how do you deal, deal with that? Well, let me just say this. John Piper, even in 2016, he was put out with Donald Trump. Many people were uh, when about a month prior to the election, 2016, when Donald Trump was running against Hillary Clinton, uh, the Access Hollywood tape came out and Trump has heard saying a lot of things that, that really aren't good. Now, let, let me just say this. Trump has done a lot of things in his life that aren't good. Uh, he's had, you know, adultery issues. That's that's not good. Uh, he 
makes money off of casinos, gambling, all that. Uh, he has language that is crass. Uh, he, he's just not done things uh, in, in a way that's good. Okay, so nobody nobody argues with that. There are things from Trump's past uh, that are that are not good, and the tape that came out prior to the 2016 election was not a good thing, and it actually caused a lot of people who previously had said, okay, I will support Trump, to back off their support. Now, let me just say this. During 2016, during the primary, 2015 and 2016, the primary, the Republican primaries in 2016, uh, you know, I was not a Trump supporter. Uh, he would have been the last uh, Republican I would have supported. Uh, I, I like Ted Cruz. I like Marco Rubio or Rand Paul, uh, some people like that. Uh, uh, ben Carson. I mean, we had some really good candidates, but Trump won. He won the nomination. And, you know, I was one of those that, uh, you know, I thought, hey, can you trust this guy? Uh, first, the first memory I have of Donald Trump is when he was the owner of the New Jersey Generals and Herschel Walker was playing in, in the USFL instead of the NFL, and I, I had a bad attitude about it. I didn't like Donald Trump because he had Herschel Walker playing the, in the USFL for the New Jersey Generals instead of Herschel being in the NFL where he belonged. But now, you know, I kind of come back on Trump, and Herschel was one of his big supporters. Funny how those things work. But, it, but anyway, so John Piper makes it clear he is not a... Uh, he's not a Trump supporter. He does not believe Trump is morally qualified. Uh, and he let it be known this year, and he let it be known in 2016. And you also have to remember, in, in 2016, leading up to the election, he, he came out in, in mid-October, and, and he said that both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump should quit the race for the presidency of the United States because both were unqualified. Now, just let me say this. They're not going, they weren't going to quit. And making a statement like that really... I mean, you, you can make a statement like that, but they're not going to they're not going to say, OK, well, uh, I've come this far. And I'm just not going to run for president. It's you know, we're a month away from election. They're going to run for election. So we, we are in a two party system as the United States of America. And, you know, we've got to vote for someone. And it was a shock. It was a surprise to a lot of people that Donald Trump did get the Republican nomination back in 2016. And so. Going back to Piper, Piper was against Trump having been nominated, and he made it clear that he was not going to vote, that Donald Trump was morally disqualified to be president. As a matter of fact, on January 20th, 2017, when Trump was sworn in to be the president of the United States, here's what Piper said in the article that he released on that day. He said, quote, today... We will inaugurate a man to the presidency of the United States who is morally unqualified to be there. This is important to say just now because not to see it and feel it will add to the collapsing vision of leadership that enabled him to be nominated and elected. And he gives all the reasons why Trump is disqualified, how he's publicly bragged about committing adultery, how he's mocked and disrespected women, how he's acted like a con artist and a demagogue, uh, how he's shamelessly proud and how he boasts. So, you know, Piper, you know, you, you don't you don't doubt where Piper stands when it comes to, to Donald Trump. And, you know, for me, him coming out with an article like he did a few days ago, right before the election, is not shocking. It's not surprising. I mean, the man uh, has been consistent uh, that he does not like Donald Trump. And he will not vote for him. And so he's going to have a write-in. 
uh, for candidacy. So he kind of makes the equivalency uh, in some ways of you know, both the Democrats and the Republicans with their representatives are not worthy of the vote. And so he's going to write in a third party or somebody else. You can do you can vote however you want to. And, you know, that's OK if, if, Don, if uh, John Piper wants wants to write in somebody else's name for president of the United States. That's his that's his prerogative. Uh, John Piper, I believe he loves the Lord. I believe he's committed to scripture. I believe he takes a great stand on a lot of issues. But when it comes to the political aspects, sometimes it's a little different. And I think we can see that also from from Timothy Keller. Of course, Keller is the former pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. Uh, he recently wrote a, an article for the New York Times, and it's called, quote, How do Christians fit into the two-party system? They don't, unquote. Uh, so here's what he says about the two-party system. He says, this emphasis on package deals puts pressures, pressure on Christians in politics. For example... Following both the Bible and the early church, Christians should be committed to racial justice and the poor, but also to understanding that sex is only for marriage and for nurturing family. One of those views seems liberal and others seem, looks oppressively conservative. The historical Christian positions on social issues do not fit into contemporary alignments. That's what Timothy Keller says. So, his way of saying, okay, if you want to infer from what he says, basically the Democrats are good about looking out for the poor uh, and taking care of the poor, and the Republicans are good when addressing moral issues that pertain to the family. Now, I would take exception to that. I don't think uh, socialism is good for taking care of the poor. I really don't. I, I would have some issue. I think that there, there is some middle ground that can be, that can be gotten to, but but anyway, I, I don't. I, you've got two parties, you do. And in the United States of America, you you have a two-party system. And to say, well, Christians don't fit well into it. Uh, so what what do Christians do now? Many people took exception to this because uh, some said, well, he's he's given cover for people who want to vote for uh, candidates that are pro-abortion and pro-gay marriage. So some people said that because they're going to they're going to have welfare programs, or they're going to have programs that will take care of the poor and address issues of injustice. And a lot of times, with some of these politicians, when you address issues of injustice, basically, that's just looking at ways to redistribute uh, wealth. It's it's kind of a pathway that some of these socialists use in order to make uh, inroads into into people's lives. Now, I just want to just reiterate, Piper and Keller have done a lot of wonderful things. They do a lot of good teaching. A lot of people have profited from their ministries. They've helped people grow spiritually. Uh, people have uh, become Christians because of their ministry. So it's, they've got some really good stuff that they do. But I just think when they segue over into the political realm, sometimes something is not as connecting is maybe some people that have a little bit more of a, a practical way of looking at issues. Uh, and I'm going to address that in just a few minutes with a quote from Michael Brown. But, you know, there are a lot of evangelicals uh, that had a problem and still do have a problem with Donald Trump. Uh, you know, his, his personal conduct, his Twitter feed, or whatever. Uh, so there are some that have, and if they have a problem, then it's legitimate. Okay, I can respect that if, if that's 
where you're coming from, I, I, I can respect that. And, and so we know uh, in Christianity, in, in evangelical Christianity in America, there's a little bit of a division between people who support the president and people who don't, and the reasons why people support the president and the reason why some do not support the president. But if you remember back in December of last year, of 2019, Christianity Today came out with a scathing article about the president. As a matter of fact, they called for his impeachment, which, you know, many people are kind of taken aback by that. They're like, whoa, wait a second. And, and, and kind of some of the reasoning uh, kind of stung some people. Uh, here's what they said when they said that the president should be impeached. Quote, to, many, to the many evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his black and moral record, we might say this, remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to our Lord and Savior. Consider what an unbelieving world will say if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated and with the same straight face say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leaders doesn't really matter in the end? Unquote. Now that's from Christianity Today. And you know, when, when that did come out, there are a lot of us, myself included, that thought Christianity Today was wrong for doing that. And, and I still do. They can do whatever they like to. That's, that's their, their, their prerogative. But as somebody who was very suspect of Trump uh, before he became president, um, and now somebody four years later, you know, I can see from my personal, you know, witnessing of, of what has happened in America is that President Trump does have a kind of a brash style, and he does say some things that you think, man, why in the world did you say that? But he has done what he said he was going to do. Uh, he has, he, he's as good, in my book, he's every bit as good as Ronald Reagan was as far as the way he governs and the, 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 the policies uh, that he has implemented. As a matter of fact, Al Mohler, who's the president of Southern Baptist Seminary and um, has a very successful podcast called The Briefing. He was one person who, in 2016, he was adamantly opposed to Donald Trump being the president. Uh, as a matter of fact, here's what he said in 2016. He says, quote, evangelicals are going to have to, ha have to ask a huge question. Is it worth destroying our moral credibility to support someone who is beneath the baseline level of human decency? That's a far bigger question than the 2016 election. So Al Mohler, I mean, he was pretty strong. He kept, yeah, You talk about a never-Trumper. He put the never in never-Trumper. But never say never. As a matter of fact, uh, recently, in the last few days, Al Mohler has come out uh, with his reasons for why he is now supporting President Donald Trump in his re-election in 2020. Let me read a little bit of this to you from, from what he put out. He said, quote, There is the question of character. I've had to struggle with this question through about half a century of political engagement. In the case of Donald Trump, the reality is that he is a sadly deficient he is sadly deficient in many areas of the most crucial issues of character and moral virtue. 
He has bragged about his many vices, written books promoting them, and given full vent to some of the baser instincts of the body politic. He appears to be driven by a narcissistic impulse that overrides nearly every opportunity to demonstrate moral virtue in public. He has been married to three women and has bragged about infidelity. He is divisive, arrogant, vitriolic, and sometimes cruel. So just kind of setting the stage, that's Al Mohler as he's writing the article that says he supports Donald Trump's re-election. That's kind of a, a, you know, a stinging way to say, hey, I'm going to vote for this guy and let me tell you how bad he is, first of all. But then he also talks about, you know, even Joe Biden, if you look at Biden's character and some of the things that Biden has done in the past, I mean, he's not a, a, a picture of virtue himself. And here's what he says as he continues on in this article. He says, quote, I cannot accept the argument that a calm man who affirms the dismembering of babies in the womb has a superior character to a man who rants like Genghis Khan but acts to preserve that life. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. He said, basically, if you want to understand what he's saying, he's saying, hey, Trump may have the, you know, some of the manners of Genghis Khan, but yet... He will fight to preserve the life that's in the womb. Whereas a man that has good manners who advocates the dismembering of a, of a baby in a mother's womb, I'd vote for the guy like Genghis Khan every time that's going to defend life, even though he has a kind of a rough disposition, but he will defend life. I will vote for him over the one that has a good disposition and will not defend life. He continues, he says, Biden, Joe Biden, on the other hand, has already indicated that he would immediately put the Obama administration contraceptive mandate back in place, stripped of the religious liberty protections President Trump has established. So the little sisters of the poor will find themselves once again under the gun, their conscience rights denied. They will not be alone. The Democratic Party has also decried other forms of conscience protection that would deny religious liberty to Christian cake bakers, wedding photographers, and pharmacists. Christians in many medical fields will face the reduction or removal of conscience protections related to abortion. Now, what about the issue of transgender? Remember what uh, Biden said in, in one of his town halls that uh, if, if a little boy wanted trans, eight, what was eight-year-old boy, if he wanted to transition to the girl, uh, that should be okay. There shouldn't be any hindrance to that. He said, quote, there should be zero discrimination, Biden said. Keep in mind that zero discrimination in that context means enforced submission to transgender claims throughout society. That means your Christian college, adoption agency, mission board, or school, the Democratic administration will steamroll these issues through the entire society and leave no arena untouched. So basically what Moeller is saying is that when you elect a president, you're not only elected president, you're electing his policies. You're electing his administration. And policies, as they would say, outlast personalities. Here's what he says as he continues. He says, quote, there will be evangelicals who cannot in good conscience vote for Donald Trump. I understand their predicament, but not voting for Donald Trump, though a political decision in itself is not the same as voting for Joe Biden. This is beyond my moral imagination. So if you take the words of Al Mohler and he says, you know, one party is better than another party, the policies are better than others, policies protect life. 
He says there is a difference. He says it's beyond his imagination how you could vote for Joe Biden. Now, Tim Keller, on the other hand, would say they're good in both parties and you have to make your decision based upon your conscience. And John Piper would say vote for neither one of them. Don't vote for anyone. Write somebody else's name in. Don't choose your pathway to destruction. Write, write someone else's name in. So these three guys, it's very interesting. And, I will, and I'll just tell you, you know, hey, I'm with Al Mohler on this one. Wasn't with him in 2016, but I'm, I'm with him now. I think that you vote for policies. You vote for how somebody will uh, do the administration. What kind of laws are they going to support? Uh, what are they going to enforce? What are they, what are they going to be about? What will be the lasting impact upon their policies that they put in place? In a Christian Post article, writer John Reed, he gives five reasons why Christians should feel comfortable voting for Trump in 2020. Number one, you're not voting for Donald Trump. You're voting for the Trump administration. He says, hey, you got people like uh, Mike Pompeo and Mark Meadows, who are strong believers. Also, you got Ben Carson. And that's one thing about Donald Trump. He has put a lot of believers around him, a lot of evangelical Christians. He has surrounded himself with them in his administration uh, who inform him on, the, on decisions. Uh, number two, you're not, you're not voting simply for a person. You're voting for an agenda. Three, policy outweighs character because policy outlasts character. Four, if for no other reason than abortion, vote Donald Trump. And number five, he says voting for Trump is a tangible way of keeping Biden out. And, of course, that includes the policies and procedures that uh, would be a part of a Biden administration. Now, others uh, write about, you know, what is it that Donald Trump has done? Uh, that What has he accomplished in his first term uh, that evangelicals can get behind? Well, they said, you know, he, he moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. A lot of presidents said they were going to do it. Trump did it. Uh, that, that is a big deal. He limited government funding for groups that provide abortion. Also, uh, you had the release of the American pastor that was being held in Turkey, Andrew uh, Brunson. Uh, Trump also, all the judges, the, the, the conservative uh, judges that he has put on the lower courts and also the three uh, that he has placed now on the Supreme Court. That is that is huge that he has that he has put three Supreme Court justice justices that are originalists. They're going to interpret the Constitution. They're not going to legislate from the bench bench. That is very, very important uh, in our society. And when they when the Supreme Court has legislated uh, from the bench, you have stuff like Roe v. Wade, you have the Overfell decision, uh, you have uh, the favorable ruling for Obamacare. Uh, it's not, it is not good. Now, so Trump has done a lot of good things for uh, for our nation. I believe his policies have. Uh, he may not have a, he may not have the best personality in the world. Uh, he may do things in a very gruff and rough way in some ways, but uh, there are policies that he has implemented that that are very good. Now, Michael Brown, who is a uh, radio personality and writer, evangelical, he writes a, uh, an article in response to John Piper's uh, article where he says he's not going to vote for Trump or Biden. And here's, here's what he says, and I think it's very, very important. He says, quote, at times like this, my counsel is simple. Be idealistic in terms of living out your own faith as a witness for the Lord, but be pragmatic when it comes to casting your vote, unquote. I think that's an incredible quote. I, I really like that a lot because, 
Hey, when it comes to living out your life, man, live, live the life God's told you to live. Live a godly life. Exude the character of Christ. When it comes to making political decisions, and, and you know, there's not, we have two parties. We have two parties. And you're not going to have the ideal candidate. You're not going to have the pristine guy most of the time running for the presidency. As a matter, matter of fact, people a lot of times will go back to the 1980 election, and they say, you know, hey, here you have this former Hollywood actor, governor of California, a divorced man named Ronald Reagan, and he's running against a Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher named Jimmy Carter. And the evangelicals got behind the Hollywood actor instead of the Sunday school teacher. Why? Because it was policy. It was how he's going to govern, what he stood for. And so you have to go, and when it comes to politics, you look at the policies. You look at the platform. It's, it's an administration that you will be voting for. Now, as far as Trump himself, like I said, I, I believe the man has kept a lot of his promises. I believe, I, I personally have been shocked at, the, at how he has governed in the way he said he was going to do. He has appointed pro-life judges. He has uh, appointed judges who are originalists, uh, who are going to stick to the Constitution. Uh, he has defunded abortion. He has promoted uh, religious freedom. As a matter of fact, he made that speech to the United Nations on, on religious freedom. And I don't think it got a lot of coverage in the United States, but it was a very powerful speech. And they've, we have U.S. policy that promotes uh, religious freedom. And as far as Trump himself, uh, he now says that uh, he's no longer a Presbyterian. He says, I now consider myself to be a non-denominational Christian. And so I, I, I will take him at, I will take him at, his, at his word. Uh, it, James Thompson, who is the founder of Focus on the Family, I saw recently where he said that uh, Donald Trump was a baby Christian. And so there are some, you know, there are people saying, hey, Trump has embraced Christ. Uh, he's got a long way to go, but, you know, don't we all? But, uh, you know, I'm not, all I'm going to say is this. Trump has surrounded himself with good people. The policies that he is enacting are good policies. Um, I like, uh, here's what Mike Huckabee said, the former governor of Arkansas and TV personality, and he ran for president at one time as well. He said, quote, I think... For most of us evangelicals, we don't follow Donald Trump. We follow Jesus. We elect a president, and we kind of like one who respects religious liberty and certainly that honors the sanctity of human life and supports Israel. So I, I think that's, a, that's a, a good and succinct way of putting that. And, and just let me say this. As far as his support of Israel, it, it has been stellar. I, we've got the, the peace deals that are coming out now with Israel and some of the Arab nations. We were told that that would be impossible, especially if the, especially if the capital was moved from Tel Aviv uh, to Jerusalem. But the capital got moved, and now there's all these peace plans in the work. And Donald Trump has defended the nation of Israel. And as an evangelical, I think it's very important. I've got a podcast on should evangelicals support the nation of Israel. You can go back and listen to that. But there are some that say Donald Trump is like Cyrus, like Cyrus was to the nation of Israel. He's like Cyrus to evangelicals in America and, once again, like a Cyrus to Israel today. Uh, let, let me read this quote uh, from an article uh, that was written for Vox.com. Uh, uh, here's what it says. During his visit to Washington, D.C., 
Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu heavily implied Trump was Cyrus's spiritual heir. Thanking Trump for moving the American embassy to Jerusalem, Netanyahu said, We remember the proclamation of the great King Cyrus, the great Persian king. 2,500 years ago, he proclaimed that the Jewish exiles in Babylon can come back and rebuild our temple in Jerusalem. And we remember how a few weeks ago, President Donald J. Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Mr. President, this will be remembered by our people throughout the ages. And it also needs to be noted that a commemorative coin uh, was made. With It was a temple coin. It, it depicts Trump and Cyrus side by side. And it was done in honor of Trump's decision to move the American embassy uh, to Jerusalem. Now, the evangelicals that say, you know, hey, we're not going to vouch that, that for Trump's character necessarily, but we're going to vouch for what he's done. And we do know that he's he is president, and we believe that God has put him to be the president of the United States. And in this article about Trump being compared to Cyrus, here's what this writer of the article says in Vox. It says, for these leaders, the biblical account of Cyrus allows him to develop a vessel theology around Donald Trump, one that allows him to reconcile his personal history of womanizing and alleged sexual assault with what they see as his divinely ordained purpose to restore, to restore a Christian America. Now, that's, that's this article's take on it. Uh, all I know is this. In, in a most improbable fashion, Donald Trump became president in 2016. Uh, he was not my favorite. He was not uh, my original choice, but there's one of two options, either him or Hillary Clinton, and I couldn't go in that, that other direction. He is the president of the United States. His policies have been, have been good. His policies have strengthened our nation. His policies have allowed for religious freedom. His policies have protected the unborn. His policies have defended the nation of Israel. And so from an evangelical perspective, his policies have been really good. And, you know, I know, understand that a person like, like Piper says he can't vote for Trump. I respect that. That's fine. I understand a person like Timothy Keller says, hey, there's not really, uh, there's a difference between two parties, but uh, you can find biblical rationale for voting for either one of two parties. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily agree with, with Timothy Keller, but if somebody does vote, however they vote, that's, that's their right. We're Americans, and, and you can do what, whatever you, you would like to do. Um, but I do like what Al Mohler says, that he does have a problem with Trump's past, and nobody, nobody defends his past. I mean, you can't. When you've done the things that he's done, it's, it's just wrong. But his policies that he has implemented as president of the United States have protected and defended life of the most vulnerable. And that is reason that you could vote for him if you want to. Now, remember, this is, I have to say this, this is the Marty McLean podcast. The views I express are my own. They, they belong to Marty McLean. I'm not representing the church. I'm representing myself. So I, I personally, I, I will vote for Donald Trump. I, I will do so with a clear conscience. And I, and I come out and say stuff like this because there are those that write articles uh, that, you know, intimate that maybe it's not the best thing to vote for him. And, and even back in 20, 2015, going into 2016, Russell Moore had basically said that uh, people who vote for, if evangelicals vote for Trump, you'd have to repudiate everything you believe. Now, I, I, I do not hold to that, that he held to at that time. I don't believe that. 
I believe you make the best of, of your two choices in which you are presented. And as a pastor, uh, being in the ministry for almost 30 years, uh, I have no problem voting for Donald Trump for president of the United States. Uh, he's, he's president. I follow Jesus. Uh, I don't I don't negate the things he's done in his past. I, I can't I can't justify those things. Uh, but he he is one of two choices and his policies are a lot better than the Democratic policies. And I would vote for the platform and for the party. And so that's just my two cents worth. Now, once again, I, I want to say I respect the men of which I've spoken about today. I don't always agree with them. I don't, you know, I don't know if anybody I agree with 100%. But this issue is a big deal, and the way you vote is between you and the Lord, and you are an American citizen, you vote however. But I'm here to say, if you vote for Donald Trump, it's not an egregious sin. You're, you're not violating uh, some, some scripture somewhere in the Bible. And uh, some believe that he is like a Cyrus, that he has been raised up by God, uh, not even Cyrus, you know, was not a Jew, is not a believer, but God raised him up. You, you read Isaiah 45. God called him by name. And so if, if Donald Trump is that type of a figure that's been raised up to be a protector, uh, a most unlikely source, then, then so be it. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today, a little bit longer than usual, uh, for the Marty McLean podcast. I hope you have a great week. And remember, uh, next week's a big week. We will elect the 46th president of the United States, or the 45th, whatever, um, there will be an election. Uh, it, it will either be the continuation of the one we have, or it will be another president. It'll be, it'll be Trump or Biden. And so I just pray God's best, and, and however it works out, if whoever gets elected, we have to respect as the new president of the United States or the president for the next four years, and we need to respect that. And, you know, God's bigger than, than any president. All right. Thank you for being with me today. I hope you have a great week. And see you next time on the Martin McClain Podcast.